Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is a crowd podcast. I think Wilder's got faster hands than Joshua. What does that do to your head? He sort of landed a couple of shots in the back of the head, which looked really bad. What happens when those two finally meet in Saudi? I've got to be honest, like, I think he's not happy, he's not content, you know? Hellenius lights out, on his back, no count. See you later. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. Hi, George. How are you? Have you cleared your throat? Cleared my throat. I'm fit. Yeah. A couple of apologies first, actually. First one, we're, we're recording this late because of me. Previously engaged yesterday at, um, at a wedding. Didn't get back until late, so sorry, listeners. So was you engaged sorry, or getting George. married? Which one is it? Neither. Remember the um, Lisbon stag do? Remember Lisbon? Regular listeners will remember that Lisbon stag. It was the wedding from that. But, you know, we got worked on Saturday night, didn't we? We were in close proximity, and then I cleared off t- to um, the Cotswolds for this lovely wedding, and now we're here, ready for another... Uh, how about that episode with much to discuss? So we was at the O2 Arena. I sat in front of deck because yeah, more important than you. You're in, you're in front of the barrier even. Like for the yeah. like real important people get there. The rest of us hoi polloi just behind it. We had the headlining attraction, which was Anthony Joshua against late sub Hellenius. Robert. Robert. Robert Hellenius. I knew it was an easy the one. The Nordic nightmare. He wasn't really much of a nightmare, but he didn't just come over and freeze up or roll over it was okay it was good what did you make of it first Declan it was nice it felt like we're this podcast is slowly sort of permeating through boxing land me and you both there you for the BBC I was doing boxing news doing live reports boxing scene loads of listeners as well were coming up and saying hello and you know talking about Joshua and talking about what he might do next um but I thought it was a very strange night, all in all. I've been thinking about this. It was kind of weird. First of all, Joshua back in, a, in an arena for the first, well, for the second time running, which hasn't happened for a long time, i.e. back-to-back arena shows. There was some of it was curtained off at the top, which is very unlike Joshua fights, i.e. they didn't sell all the tickets. Conor McGregor was there pouring stout into Joshua's mouth. They had a weird interlude with KSI sort of shouting into a camera and everyone booing him, which was weird. And then afterwards, it was obviously this, we'll get into the fight in a minute, but there was this 
amazing knockout. But afterwards, it was very strange, sombre atmosphere almost in the press conference after. You know, it wasn't like the joyous, bouncy post-fight, just done the business, all look what's ahead. It was all a bit weird. Joshua emerged about quarter to two. But you saw Fanny's around, don't you? Fanny's around, probably the wrong term. But he hangs about and like chats to everyone and that for ages afterwards. And then he goes and has a shower. I dare say his dressing room's full of mates and he wants to chill out and then he's got to come and speak to the bloody media again. So yeah, it is a while before they before they turn up. But um he did so at that point. You were you were long gone. But do, what was you what was your assessment of the night? What did you think of like the atmosphere? Because Joshua is about as big as it gets in this country still. People who have never been to boxing before will go to an Anthony Joshua fight. For this fight is not for the diehard fight fans, right? And even when Joshua White was made, ticket prices probably priced out a lot of the hardcore fight fans. So you get a lot more casual fans. There's people who I know and met who've never been to boxing before but wanting to come to boxing they think oh well this is going to be a good one end up paying eye water in ticket prices on a secondary ticket site so that's not like the face value ones I mean they love to say that stuff is sold out sold out instantly it was a tough one you know I'm working for BBC and their their job is to be very excited about Anthony Joshua you know they're very excited and like I say to you all the time you the other side of the journal are like why are we here why are we covering Anthony Joshua and not this one why, why does he get clicks why does that does he get traction? Why does he get columns? Is it just because that's the way it is? Because it's heavyweight? Because of this? Because of that? Because of who he is? Because of what he's done? And not necessarily, I'm not picking on him saying he don't deserve it, but it's always just a massive question for me is, why do we cover one and not the other? Why does this guy get in the paper and not this one? And it felt like for me this week, there's always a real effort, especially since, since the Usyk fight, to make Joshua the holy grail of world boxing, definitely British boxing. It felt a little bit like people were sort of a bit numb to that now. We'll get into the fight, but there was booing in the arena during the fight, which I thought was harsh. And you just wonder who who's booing? What are they booing? It's, it's always disappointing, you know. Let's go from the first round. What are you thinking of Joshua at this point? I feel like sometimes, and I'm going to throw anyone under the bus, but there's some lazy punditry and journalism that they say we want the old Joshua the reckless one who lets his hands go as opposed to the cautious one who boxes and he gets frustrated with that because he's like well I'm supposed to be a better fighter and that's all I keep saying is I want to see a better Joshua I want to see one that sure lets his hands go but sets stuff up properly heavyweights get away with it a lot of the time but they don't have to do a lot of the clever work because the standard's not that great and then when they do land they have a massive effect because they're so big For he started and he, he was a bit stiff maybe just a bit nervous did loosen up from like the second round onwards but again it felt like the pressure's on I can't remember exactly what round it was um, where he catches Hellenius and he he hurts him that was the first time where he actually looked a little bit loose like he was actually flowing a little bit personally he didn't do anything really wrong but he didn't do anything new maybe that was just what it was always going to be against Hellenius who's brought in on a week's notice you know maybe if we'd seen fight with Dillian White Dillian White came and he, he gave a decent account of himself and Joshua had a couple of questions to answer a couple of problems to solve and did it we would have got a lot more yeah I thought he was I thought he was a bit tentative to start with and I think he naturally would be. I think a couple of things about the, the idea of an old Joshua. One, the old Joshua was boxing people not in his league for, you know, his first, what, 15 fights or whatever until he gets up to the British title really against Dylan White. And then he knocked Dylan White out. And then from there, it's Charles Martin and it's, you know, the, the run from there. So the old Joshua that we that we sort of 
everyone got high on was knocking out people not as good as him. So he would be like that. And also, we know, he knows what happens now, profoundly aware what happens if he gets caught. I don't think it's a bad thing for Joshua, but what it does mean is it does take him a little bit of time to find his range a bit, maybe. Helena's decent as well and awkward, like quite hard to get hold of. Some interesting bits in between the rounds where he say, Derek James is saying, throw your right hand. And, and Joshua's like, I can't get it. I just can't get it off. And Derek James was like, just keep throwing it. And that's the sort of thing you love to hear or see in a corner. Let's sort of fast forward to that, to the knockout because, you know, it was a pretty uneventful fight until that moment, really. Seventh round, he sort of touches him to the head, jabs to the body. Helena sort of backs up and he does the exact same thing. So shows shows high with the jab, comes low with it, and then brings the second time brings the right hand over the top, right on the button. What Joshua's good at, straight, hard punching with the backhand in particular. And just like we saw him against Deontay Wilder, Hellenius lights out on his back, no count. See you later. It was a spectacular knockout. Hellenius has been caught once or twice, but never really any trouble up until then. And then he gets knocked out cold. He doesn't beat the count. It takes him a while. But by the time he does come round, he looks fine. I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to speak to him after and that's got the sign of a man who's been knocked out before chin probably ain't quite the same now punch resistance ain't the same so when it goes they, they it's like that old man they just go and he's gone but a great great shot set up well so i think he'll be happy with that joshua i mean something was really interesting to me straight away as he does it he sort of does a fuck you celebration it's sort of he did the degeneration x i don't know if you used to watch wrestling and joshua yeah. brought it back it's very retro that but the celebration was a fuck you to, I don't know who to, whether it's people to people who were booing. I think it was to the crowd. To the, yeah. I think it was to the people who were booing. Because he then, he jumps out the ring. He's 100% making his way to the change room, in my opinion. He he wants out. And then either someone grabs him and says no, like as in one of his teams say, don't do it. Or he just, you know, he's he's gone rogue before, hasn't he? He's gone wild. He's gone off script before and lost the plot and faced the backlash. And he's probably thought, nah. And then he sort of turned it into a bit of a lap of honour around the ring. I think the corner he got out of, he had a lot of his like family were there. So that was that was nice, you know. But then again, if he jumped out and see his family and then got back in, you'd be like, oh, okay. But then, as I say, I don't think he had a plan because then it sort of turned into make his way around the ring. Obviously, at that point, he's got across Conor McGregor and then there was KSI. He's trying to pour drinks down his neck. Ebony Bridges was the ringside. I'm sure she she was ready for, for a photo op. And then he sort of got round to the to the, to the the media bit where we were, the interesting bit, and then he jumped back in the ring. He didn't even, didn't, we didn't get no high fives. Ah, right, never mind. Um, let's, let's just pause on that bit, the immediate aftermath. A question for you, George, because I always wonder this, because as a person, as most of us have never experienced that feeling, but I feel like Joshua, he's just won and that unbelievable relief that just must like rush over him and all of you once the job is done, especially in a spectacular second where everything, his whole world changes. One second he's in a fight, next second he's pure glory. What does that do to your head? There'll be a bit of feeling of relief. There's that relax. And I think for Joshua, he must be think he must have had a bit of relief because he's thinking that was a good fucking knockout. Maybe there's part of him that's still in fight mode. Maybe it's part of him that's just sort of scratching his head. Doesn't really know what he should be thinking and feeling. It's definitely frustration there. Like white test positive and the fight's not with white, you know, and he's still getting booed. He's taking a massive pay cut to fight on the card. I gotta be honest, like I think he's not happy, he's not content, you know. He said people are fickle and he doesn't want to alienate himself. He doesn't want to turn people off. Him. he's done that before in the past you know with stuff that's gone on inside of boxing and and you know his, his views outside of boxing he does appeal to that casual sports fan market anyway so they don't know a lot about boxing they don't know a lot about him 
but they know many fights need to come. And as you say, they might be expecting a bit more or they don't know what to expect. Another thing was that they're talking about uh, a Deontay Wilder fight has been made. It's happening in January in Saudi Arabia. And obviously it all hinged on him winning. Certainly wouldn't have been great if, if he'd got beaten somehow this weekend. He probably had to have rematched him in October and beat him on points. I think it's a fascinating journey that we've been on. I hate the word journey in boxing and sport really, but it's been a fascinating story of Joshua. Like Saturday night was the 11th year anniversary like to the day that he won the Olympic gold medal. So he's been in the mainstream public consciousness for 11 years now. For, for many of us, in boxing before then, you know, when he went to the Worlds, etc. Ron Lewis, God bless him, he, he was at in Baku ringside there. So, you know, he was on the scene in boxing, but for the public, 11 years now he's been there. We've seen him fly through the ranks like as a young heavyweight, chin in everyone and that unbelievable surge and warmth from the public. We saw him win the world title in strange, well, strange circumstances in against Charles Martin because the IBF became vacant, et cetera, et cetera. We know the story there. But then he, he then he defended it successfully and he went on that run of four stadium fights back-to-back selling 300,000 tickets across the course of those fights. And then he lost to Ruiz and it all came tumbling down. Then he came back again and won it back. Then he lost to Usyk. And along that path, he's gained and gleaned incredible wealth from the sport, knowing because we speak to him, you know, routinely because through the media and whatever, he's a totally different person now. And that would change anyone. Like, how different are you than you were 11 years ago, let alone someone who's been through that in 11 years? So I think it's a totally different man. And I think there's something to be said for the, this version of Joshua, because it reminds me, Tyson Fury did this as well. He was like a funny, bubbly character and, you know, said funny, outland, outrageous stuff. And then all of a sudden he sort of switched a bit. And I feel like it was that disillusionment with boxing and being like, fuck, you know, once you've done it for that long, something, it changes in some way, I think. And that's what I think Joshua is now. And I think it's a good spot for him to be in as he approaches a fight like Deontay Wilder. That fuck you to everyone, siege mentality. I'm just going to go to Texas and I'm just going to train with Derek James with proper fighters in a proper setup and go get ready for war against Deontay Wilder, the most dangerous fight there is in the whole of boxing. I think it's a good spot for him to to be in. Malik Scott and Shelley Finkel both suggested that Deontay Wilder might fight between now and then, maybe in October, which straight away is fucking alarm bells because what if he loses? What if he breaks his hand? What if he gets cut? Like, can we not just put them both in a room somewhere? Don't let them walk up any steps. Don't let them do anything. Just get them to January so we can have that fight because we've been waiting for seven years for it or whatever it is. But if it does happen, what happens? I know we've discussed this before, me and you, but as it's inching ever closer and on the basis of Saturday night and et cetera, et cetera, and the current context around the two heavyweights, what happens when those two finally meet in Saudi? I still want to see a bit more from both to know the the answer. The, the idea of a pick'em fight, which people throw around a lot, but pick'em genuinely means pick'em. Like you could, either of them could... Because it's stupid, one of us going, this is definitely going to happen. Because with those two guys, you can't, for any with any sense of certainty, say what's going to happen. Stylistically, he's very good for Wilder in that he is there, he's big, and he's kind of upright. 
He likes that mid to long range. That's where he does his best work as well. Wilder's tough and has a good chin, actually. Good enough to withstand what might come back from Joshua over the course of what I see being a short fight. Because Eddie Hearn said, it's just whoever lands first. And I disagree entirely. Joshua doesn't just switch him off and win the fight. It's not who gets there first. I think that Wilder is tough enough to get through some Joshua and then finally get to him. My worry is, can Joshua stay as tight and as disciplined as he would need to be while also not being tentative or nervous for Wilder to not find an opening. Joshua doesn't do well with the shorter boxers, and that's not Wilder. What you could end up with is an expensive sort of cautious nothing fight. If it goes points in his tight, are they thinking, oh, we can do it again? <laughs> uh, as opposed to, right, I've got to win this. I've got to win this. Everything is on the line here. Everything's on the line here. So yeah, if, even if it was that, then it'd still be caution, but like, I need to create some openings. And if I see something, I'm going to go for it. I think Wilder's got faster hands than Joshua. So if they're trading punches, Wilder might come out on top. Joshua punches a lot neater and tidier. And I'm not saying a neat and tidy touch, touch, whip, touch, touch, slip, touch, take an angle thing. Not those sort of combinations from Joshua. More like if he just lets his hands go with two, three, four power shots. He, he, I assume he punches a lot harder than Fury. It's very difficult to know exactly what to expect. Okay, let's part that for now because we've got months We've got months to hopefully live in hope and get that fight made um, and we'll discuss it more. But yeah, Joshua, job done. He moves on. Maybe we see the Wilder fight. Maybe we don't. Who knows? Uh, let's have a little breather there, George, because we've got the rest of the card to have a look at too. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The co-main event on Saturday night, and it was between two men with the combined age of 80. One was called Derek 
and one was called Gerald. 10 round heavyweight attraction, paid for by Skills Challenge, by the way, paid for by Saudi Arabia, this one. And Derek Chisora won the fight. Only a second win in six against Gerald Washington, one of the only heavyweights operating at that level who's older than him. Core Blimey, it was a bruising one. He got cut, Chisora did. Washington boxing really nicely at the start, I thought, and then just sort of ran out, just couldn't handle the the sustained pressure that Derek Chisora somehow can still do. You know, like he does, he's not the most agile, mobile fellow when just in, in normal life, but as soon as he's in the ring, he's like he was some time ago in the way he moved, just constantly pressing forward. I don't know how he does it. And he won because if he'd lost, we'd be sitting there going, you know, it's time to hang him up. But he won. And as soon as he wins, you go, he's going to go again. But at the start, like Chisora looked old, gets caught by Washington. For a split second, I thought, oh, he's got hit and he's hurt. He's gone down, but he scored a, it's on the bell and he scored a no, uh, a no knockdown. Um, but I think there was, you know, he, he looked on shaky legs to start with, Chisora. There's nothing clever about the way he sort of fights now, but he is just hoping that the guy in front of him runs out of steam and then he can sort of have his way with him. There was definitely a gassing out, like sort of the engine ran out of gas for Washington. It was, say, the third or fourth round. All of a sudden, it went from he's feeling the effects of this fight to just gone. And then Chisora's just found confidence from that, landed a few shots, totally changed the momentum of the fight from what I sort of saw. It was pretty cut. I mean, it's a competitive fight, like even, but... Washington just didn't really do anything for the second half of the fight apart from he's he's, he's kind of um, back foot boxer anyway Washington as far as heavyweights go anyway um, so it was clear what the game plan was it was just catch him on the way in move out reset he'll come again catch him on the way in move out reset did it really nicely to start but he just couldn't keep it up and it's one of those where it's just Chisora just outworked him just out hustled him no one can really live with Chisora or not many people can better him in terms of that work rate and that output it, just, it occurred to me, I was ringside 10 years ago, 10 years ago last month when he boxed Malik Scott at Wembley. That's how long he's been going. I don't think anyone is in a position to sit, sit there and go, he should stop. He shouldn't be fighting because it's like he can do what he wants. But he's walked in, by the way, dressed head to toe, pink Barbie robe with his two daughters, got two young daughters, give him a kiss, walks up the stairs. What's the effect of these fights going to have on his life when he's older. I bet he's not doing any sparring anymore. I bet he doesn't spar anymore because he don't need them miles on, on the clock. Every fight he has now, he takes heavy shots. I'm not sure what the paydays are, but I'm sure they're, they're really good because he's always sort of there or thereabouts. They always stick him on near the end of the card. People come out to watch him. He almost doesn't take it too seriously. In that, at the weigh-in, he's dressed head-to-toe in five guys. I'm hoping he's getting paid from five guys, or at least there's some other connection there other than he's just a fan. But I've had the point back to Derek Chisora is that he's getting, like, he's getting a lot of love. And I think he, I think that's what he buzzes off the most. thing with him is the Pulev fight was supposed to be, like, the last hurrah. That's that's what we're told. And then he had the the Fury fight, and it was like, okay, this really is a last hurrah, but it is for World Heavyweight title, and it's at Tottenham, and it's in front of all these people. Oh, God, great. You can't, you can't turn that down. Although people hammered that. It was, that fight definitely wasn't for me either. But now he's still going. It kind of came out of nowhere, and now he says he wants another three. So again, it's like it's, it's his decision. He's going to have to live with what happens. He's going to live with the money that he makes from it, and he'll live with the, the after effects as well. Next one was Philip Hergovic against Dempsey McKean. So Philip Hergovic is the number one with the IBF. So he will be once Usyk and Dubois fight, whoever the winner, whoever wins, will be handed immediately a mandatory challenge from Philip Hergovic within 90 days. They'll have to do a deal to fight Philip Hergovic. 
he wins against Dempsey McKean by stoppage in the last round. <sighs> Where do we want to start with with Philip Pergovic? For me, he's not the heavyweight wrecking ball second coming that many people, including me, had hinted at. I feel like Pergovic has been around a long time, but I think he's only 30. feels like he's been around a long, long time and just waiting for him to make his move. If And it didn't feel like, oh, boxing politics has kept him out of the loop. It feels like, oh, he's just a slow burner. He just wants to take his time and when the opportunities come and one belt to go vacant and he can have an easy challenge for it. But yeah, he, he, he done the job and he caught McKean at the end. Really hurt him. Rope sort of kept him up and then, not ideally, he sort of landed a couple of shots in the back of the head, which looked really bad. Pergovic wins, wins again. And essentially, then his next fight should be against the winner of Dubois and Alexander Usyk, which, you know, I'd like to see him step up, to be honest now. I mean, I'd like to see him in a fight where he's the underdog and see what he's really made of. Maybe he has to rise to the occasion. We see a bit more from him. But yeah, nothing. I mean, I wasn't super, super impressed with him, Deck. But well, congratulations to him. It was a bit of a buzzkill. It was a bit of a pin in the atmosphere, that fight. Southpaw, orthodox tap fest with only little bursts of action a lot of it close up as well um, but he got he got the stoppage and he moves on Philip Hergovic so we'll see him again before the end of the year I would assume fighting for the world heavyweight title so we'll see how he does there should we get some shout outs to some yes. ECMs on the card one of them was a heavyweight who got his first title Bash Bash Johnny Fisher the Romford Bull he wins he's the first person to win the new look Southern Area title him and his dad have turned into a bit of a I don't know, people give them some stick now. You know, it was this funny, jolly thing. Everyone loved them. And now it's gone the other way where people are going, oh, I'm so, I'm, it's tiresome now. But he's proper salt of the earth fella, uh, Johnny Fisher, and he deserves his success. And the thing with it, he's not flash. Like, it's so nice to have someone who's, he doesn't need to be as sort of respectful and humble as he is, but you'd much rather that than the opposite where people just talking themselves up and then you and then you get on his back and say well what have you actually done apart from just say bosh right but he's a work in progress he knows that but he looks he looks in good shape you know he looks like he's working hard guilty of being a bit crude you know at times and and raw but excitable young pro is forgivable at this stage where you know he wants a stoppage win so he will just throw everything but the kitchen sink at, at the guy in front of him to um to get the win and he almost got dirty harry armstrong out in the first round didn't he almost clean uh, dirty he cleaned out dirty harry within 10 seconds he dropped him within like 12 seconds i had a chat with mark trainer mark tibbs the day before at the weigh-in and um yeah you know, he said johnny's doing great you know he's in the gym he's working hard and um they're really happy you know, they're really really happy and i think Great for him, first of many titles, you know. Uh, I hope they don't slow him down because they need him to win every title that's ever made because they just think he'll just sell more tickets every every time. But um, maybe one for Chisora <laughs> uh, in, a, in a fight or two. Also on the card, we had... Campbell Hatton, who was our guest from last week. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it last Wednesday's ep, Campbell Hatton. He was out another win deck. I didn't see this fight. It was on before I got to the arena. Did you see it? It wasn't his best performance, Campbell, but you see he's learning every time and he got the win. Sean McAvoy, the referee, scored at 78-74. So in, in fights 
eight rounds and lower, the ref just scores it. 78-74 tells the story of the fight, you know, reasonably comfy. And he marches on. He's a young kid. The, he talks all about it in the episode. And it's, it's much like Fisher. Fisher, this was a good opponent for him. Uh, and he's putting together that record now and learning every time, just slightly better every time. And that's what they're doing with Campbell Hatton. It's a big job, the matchmaking for Campbell, because it's expensive, because everyone wants to, thinks it's Campbell Hatton. I need to get paid well for this. And, Target on the back straight away. He talks about that. Like people go, oh, fuck Campbell Hatton. Yeah, I, I could beat him. He's shit. Do you know who else was on there, George? Was it a little Welshman? Baddest nerd on the planet. I saw Brandon's got the way in as well. And he said he got on the show because of his epic, epic episode of the GGBC. Eddie had, had reshared the, the clip about where he's talking about his Tourette's. And just like within days, they Frank had phoned him. Frank Smith had phoned him and put him on, they put him on the show. Came out dressed as Darth Vader. Told us how much, how expensive that helmet was so if you want to um go and have a, re- a listen of that you'll you'll hear all the details and to be honest george it's not just me saying it because i really like him i think he was the best in terms of boxing probably the best performance on the card that's what he needs to be doing going out putting out great performances time time again and it will not so much go unnoticed because it does go noticed but that won't be the the headlines for him at this stage because it just wouldn't be for anyone at this stage but if he can keep himself different, keep himself interested, by the time he starts getting to title level, you know, then all of a sudden people are talking about the boxing. Because then all of a sudden he's in a good fight, a big fight, a hard fight, you know, a 50-50 fight. And then if you've made them, you know, them improvements, you get through that stage and then you burst on the scene. I felt sorry for him because he, he sort of eluded that Ebony Bridges was going to be part of his ring walk. But it looks like Conor McGregor sort of uh, outpriced him. She had a costume on of sorts that was for Forge Irish Stout, which is an, a competitor now for Guinness. Surely. Yeah, that's McGregor. So McGregor's pub, I think, is called the Black Forge Inn. And this is the thing. And they were giving out cans of it at the presser. It's not bad. Like, yeah, because I'm a Guinness fan. I thought this was going to be trash. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. So well done, Conor McGregor. Anyway, that's Brandon Scott. There was also, just to round off the cards, George, George Liddard, Maisie Rose Courtney, both won. Two of Greg Meehan's clients, actually. George Liddard won. Great fight at middleweight with this mad Dutch bloke. I hope we see him again. And Maisie Rose Courtney, six twos. Very, very talented. Very excited about Maisie Rose. I think she's very young as well. She's got every shot in the book. She was doing both stances, check hooks from both stances, lead uppercuts, the lot. And that was the card. That was the 0-2. That was Joshua. He marches on. So do all the winners. And the losers, most of them will come again anyway. But yeah, job done, George. But you didn't tell me that the prince was in town. Why did you not go steaming over to him, get him on the pod? I'll tell you what he could do at least, which doesn't cost anything. Yeah, go on, because I think um, I saw him on his phone and I was shouting it, but I'm not sure if he heard it, got the message. What what, what should he do? I hope you were shouting to him, hit the follow button in your podcast app now. And do you know what that would make him, Deck? An elite club member. Oh, that's what he wants. And this is a message not just for the Prince, no, but the fresh for every Prince. one of you listeners as well. If you are listening right now, and if you ain't, just send it to everyone else and make sure you do it yourself. I mean, if you're not listening, but you're hearing this, that's quite a feat. We'll also be buzzing if you get in touch with us on the socials at GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Also, email us, George. What's the email address again? The email address is ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. So if you've got something a bit more longer, a bit more, you know, you don't want really, to, can't fit it into your five-star Apple review, then uh, email it over to us. And if you're feeling techie and you want to have a little search, then why don't you go on Spotify and check out our playlist, The Ring Walk. Banging, banging playlist that will get you 
pumped up for your gym circuits. Mm. If you don't want any adverts, Amazon Music, baby, that will always help you. We're back not once, but twice more this week, George. Who we got? Yes, we are back Wednesday with the brilliant face of Skyboxing now for quite some time. That is, of course, Anna Warhouse is on to give us the lowdown on what it's like on her side of the boxing sort of scene. But also, we're back on Friday deck. We've got part two of the Q&A. If you sent a question, there's every chance you're going to, um, it will be answered in that one. But keep the questions coming in, like I said, because we'll be doing these more regularly or until the questions dry up. So keep getting them. So we'll keep doing them, keep answering them. Until then, though, George, I'll see you and Anna on Wednesday. Yes, Declan, see you Wednesday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.